Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. I want Good morning, everybody. This is Annie for Showreel, and uh, this is 3CR's look at the Australian film industry and the things that are going on in it. And over the last week, I went to a really interesting conference called the Australian International Documentary Conference, which was held down at the State uh, Library. And there were a whole collection of really interesting things going on there. But one of them was running into Shabi Ibram. G'day, Shabi. How are you? Good. And it was lovely to see you last week and uh, talk to you again today. Yeah, exactly. Now, Shabi, you might remember, was a breakfaster on 3CR and then he moved on to... Uh, looking at, uh, he went from radio to uh, television to, uh, we went off to uh, community TV, and then you branched out to making films of your own. You went off to college to learn filmmaking, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. It was all a bit of a surprise to me. Um, You know, sometimes I I can be sort of accused of waiting around looking for permission to do certain things, but, um, and I always thought I needed that with film, but... um, but yeah, I just went to the VCA and, and did a master's in documentary there, and uh, I was on my way. Yeah, yeah, and you haven't looked back. Uh, I, I, it surprises me when you say that the idea that you wait for permission, because obviously you're in your element. And the latest project that you're working on is called well, it's got a working title. It's it's called After Juvie. Uh, uh, tell people a bit, little bit about that, and then we'll move on to how you got some money from the uh, documentary conference. Yeah, it's actually, we've landed on a title now, Life After Juvie, uh, and essentially it's been a concept I've been developing for quite some time. I used to teach um, at the Parkville or Melbourne uh, you know, Juvenile Justice Centre, uh, the infamous and notorious centre, yeah. and you know, I taught film and radio there and podcasting. Um, obviously my background was in education uh, and with working uh, with at-risk young people, and I suppose fusing those two things together made a whole lot of sense once uh, once I was teaching those young people at the detention centre, but also very aware that the, the rhetoric in the uh, mainstream media and by sort of centrist, so-called centrist politicians, was very much skewed against these kids, you know, calling them thugs or, you know, um, little crims or, you know, trash or whatever you m- might be. But I was certainly getting very different stories from these um young people in detention and it just occurred to me that their voices were completely left out of the discussion and the, and the debate so this film is all about 
giving them that voice and also you know, seeing what prospects that they do have after juvie and why the recidivism rate is so damn high. We're looking at seven out of ten young people returning to either juvenile detention or graduating up to the adult system after their, after their release. So, you know, it is a crisis, yet they remain silent, uh, these young people. Yeah, because the discussion is quite a classist discussion, isn't it? Because totally. uh, when, when people are affected by crime... Uh, it's very difficult for people to actually see why that crime might have happened in the first place. I think so. I think you've touched on the, on, on exactly what we're addressing, which is that class issue. I mean, um, if you're a you know middle class kid going to Wesley College or or St Kebs or whatever you, you, you're doing, you're um, you you mess up, you you sell the wrong bag of coke to the wrong wrong person or whatever it is, you're probably going to get a real swift slap on the wrist, a bit of a dressing down by. Uh, a magistrate. That's even if you appear, um, but of course, that's not what we see with these these other kids. Often, very very trivial offences they start out um, playing with, but without that diversion or interception that somebody else might get, they're often swept right into the system. Um, and of course, you know that that's not even talking about their histories of trauma. Um, you know what they what they bring to that very first offence. Yeah, yeah, no societal goodwill. No, and the other thing is, I mean, I think we all are after the same thing. Wherever you sit on that uh, wonderful continuum of, of, of policy and, and um, politics, we, we just want safer, better connected, more inclusive communities. And the fact of the matter is throwing a, a child into jail um, does the exact opposite of what you want it to do. Um, it creates more victims. It prepares these young people for a life of, you know, criminal activity and, and almost guarantees their their entry into adult prison. And, and it's just not what any of us want. So I think if we start from, from that place, we can uh, convince a few more of, of those in the so-called centre. And before we leave <clears throat> the substance of your film, I was really fascinated to find out that uh, uh, you're using uh, what they call an unconventional feature-length documentary because you're using uh, a whole lot of... Th- different things. You're using animation, live action, mixed media, the stories told, uh, done in a way that is unusual for a straightforward documentary. But it's because of the subject too, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. It's it's a bit of both. I mean, I have a real interest in creative documentary. Of course, we tip our hat to the traditions and those who sort of paved the way, um, you know, in this awesome medium. Uh, but at the same time, I'm I'm very open to playing with form and structure, and um, you know, having fun. We are we are. It's a creative art, like like any other. Uh, but having said that, it really leads to um, to this film. I mean, it really it marries well with the, with the themes of childhood innocence. You know, using that that um, animation device, for example. Also, the chaotic nature of uh, the lives of these young people really lends to mixed media and and uh, chopping things up and, and, and moving them around story-wise. Uh, also, you know, that we're talking about really fractured memory with with, um, with childhood trauma that comes along with it. Uh, so, you know, we want to throw this film up in the air and and, um, and have it sort of mirror their lives. Yeah, it's, you know, it's fascinating. I know this is a bit of an... Uh, uh a sidestep in our conversation. I'm just reading this really quite interesting series of books called The Story of Stone, and it's set in 
China during, in 1730 in a large house, you know, like a, a mansion and with 300 souls that live in this place. But in this world, they're allowed to beat their children and they're allowed to beat them to death. <laughs> and and I, it sort of puts a bit of... Because, you know, they they require discipline. Oh, my goodness. I know. So Yeah, and, and, and some, some... Like, just on that, I mean, you know, some uh, perhaps misguided or, uh, you know, ideas for, for some of these families. Of course, there are, there are cycles of trauma involved where... You know their parents may have come from from very similar backgrounds, but uh, but you know some of it is is that misguided discipline, and and I you know perhaps I even grew up in a, in a with that similar mindset where it was uh, you know physical physical punishment at times in order to try to get us to fly straight, but of course it can be very counterproductive. Yeah, yeah. Um, I looked up uh, the page documentary Australia Foundation because you have got a page asking people to help put money into making this. But what I discovered was that you had one supporter who put twenty five thousand dollars in there, and I thought that <laughs> isn't that wonderful. Uh, so, can you describe to people your approach? Because obviously, there's a producers, and you're one of the producers. And I noticed that you've got uh, fabulous people like Jen Peden, who's uh, made some fabulous documentaries of her own. Uh, she's yeah. an executive producer, so that's actually a great uh, boast. Uh, uh, you should be very proud of that sort of support. I I think. Uh, but uh, obviously going to the Australian International Documentary Conference and doing a pitch was part of your pro uh, producer's strategy. Can you tell us about yeah, that? Totally. Yeah, and I just want to sort of float out there that this is, you know, it was a long time coming. In, it was sort of a long time in development. So it's kind of started four years ago with, um, you know, AIDC, where they took me in as part of their access program. Uh, and actually, Britt Arthur, one of our uh, producers on this film, I, I met her way back then, and she was running um, the conference. So, and Jen Peedham was one of my mentors during during that particular program. Uh, and of course, you know, I met Alice Virgin through through uh, you know AIDC as well. So, a lot of people who have some involvement in this pitch and in this film right now, I, I met way back then at the conference. So it was kind of a slow burn approach. Uh, but having said that, yeah, we were selected to pitch as part of this conference this year. Um, and, you know, Doc Documentary Australia Foundation uh, really saw something in our, in our development so far and in, in our teaser trailer so far, which is, which is not currently up on their, their website. Um, and they decided to throw us this very generous bone so that we can keep doing the work that, you know, a lot of documentary filmmakers do for free. Um, which which is a shame of the industry, you know. But but um, they've certainly thrown us a very very much needed bone. Of course, we need we need a lot more of those bones. But um, you know, it's a really wonderful start, and you know, we're we're really indebted to them. Doing a pitch is a whole thing in itself, isn't it? Can you explain that process? Yeah, sometimes you you know because we're documentary filmmakers, we're not public speakers or politicians or, or, or anything like that. So it can be really quite intimidating for um, someone who's probably a bit more introverted at times to get up in front of five hundred people and, and to make this spiel. Often because you don't know exactly who you're pitching to, um, you know, because there are very 
many different people in the audience who might be distributors or might be funders or might be broadcasters or streaming platforms. So you end up giving a much more general pitch than you would if you were asking like Screen Australia for a meeting, you know exactly who you're pitching to in that, in that dynamic. Um, so you have to keep it a bit more general, but you just try to put, um, you just try to be as honest as possible, put up, you know, really quality material and, and a, if you are going to use a teaser trailer to make sure that you know it's it's the type of it represents the type of film you intend to make, um, and and you just sort of cross your fingers and 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 hope for the best as someone sitting there in the audience wants to not only uh, you know not only sort of has the film resonate with them but is also willing to move forward with you and, and you know certainly Documentary Australia Foundation did that this time around. Uh, and we're, we're still having other meetings with with, uh, with different broadcasters for exploring different possibilities. I I know I went to the uh, one of the pitching sessions. It wasn't your pitching session, but uh, it was the one for Al Jazeera. Uh, it has mm. a witness. Now I yeah. noticed, uh, and uh, for people who don't know, Al Jazeera was one of the uh, conference uh, sponsors, and they had a certain amount of funding, and they were going to give funding to three different. Uh, uh, projects and yeah. they had specific uh, elements that were important to them because uh, yeah. when you're doing a uh, witness piece it's 30 minutes long and it's from the point of view of a particular person in yeah. a particular country doing something particular right so it's a very person focused story with a and from there broadens out to a a, a place and the politics yeah. of the place so in your case who were you pitching to what what was it what was the um uh dynam- dynamic for you yeah well we pitched in two categories so in 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 the factory forum which is considered the open category uh so again in that pitch we kept things really broad and uh, general, because you know you're trying to attract, um, you know, <laughs> different flies to, to the pie. But uh, it, we also pitched for the SBS Australia Uncovered um, uh, session as well, uh, and Documentary Australia Foundation were partners uh-huh. with them. Yep. And again, so in that pitch, we tailored it very, very specifically to a potential SBS audience, uh, to that specific broadcaster, uh, and also to Documentary Australia Foundation, who are very much are keen on creating social impact uh, with the films they get involved with, which which obviously we're very keen on as well. Uh, so we were able to talk more about the social impact of life after Juvie and what we want for these young people and future young people entering or exiting the system. Um, so you and, and and of course, when you think about the Al Jazeera witness uh, opportunity, you know all of those pictures were very much um, sort of skewed towards that audience and that platform, which you have to do if, if you want any success um, in terms of raising funds for your film. It has to suit that broadcaster or platform or whatever it might be. Yeah, for the distribution. Uh, which one did you actually win? We won the Documentary Australia Foundation Award, which uh, was a late development award. Uh, and that was all about creating social impact um, with with documentary film, uh, so they've invested early, which we're really stoked about. Which means that they're, they're very likely help us, and they they already have that they'll help us with um, you know creating strong impact for this film. 
Yeah, so if if you'd uh, been picked up by SBS, for example, that would have ensured a distribution element as well, I'm assuming. Not necessarily. It would no. have ensured their early interest, uh, and which would come with a financial contribution as well. Uh, but, you know, a documentary is such a long game that anything can change along the way. I mean, SBS move into those agreements they made with those uh, the, the two films they, they chose, the John Safran, uh, Why Do People Hate Jews, and uh, the Julia Gillard film from Northern Pitches. You know, both both really worthy uh, films. Uh, yeah, it, 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 anything can yeah. happen along the way of production. Um, that means you know those films don't quite get made in the same way, or that uh, you know they're no longer on the same page with the with the broadcast, or anything can happen, or, or the subjects drop away. You know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, did- so, but SBS have made a commitment to them, I suppose, that their intention is to move move into production together. Yeah, I'll just remind people they're on 3CR and this is Showreel and we're talking to Shabi Ubram, who's his film, uh, uh, what was it? Life After Juvie. Yeah, yeah, I just, yeah, yeah, Life After Juvie. Uh, was a recipient of uh, some uh, some cash for their uh, development fund. <laughs> yeah. um, <clears throat> and that was one of the things that was good about the, uh, they've actually, the, Australian International Documentary Conference, they actually accumulated funds to be able... That was one of their things that they worked on, to be able to give people who are making uh, documentaries in so. Australia. Yeah, really important. I think in the past, I think in the past Danny, uh, although very well-intentioned, at times um, the pitching forums, you know, you could argue that it was more about the audience uh, than it was about the filmmakers, but more and more each year with AIDC, which I'm so stoked about because I do listen to feedback, is put real tangible outcomes um, for filmmakers to try to um, pitch well. And, you know, like in our case, you can walk away with a very tangible um, prize that helps you to then work on and make your film, which is more important to us than anything else, you know. Yeah, well, and also, yeah, of course, that's why you're there. But also, mm-hmm. all the people that were in the audience could actually, even in the one I saw, you could see. I actually, I, or I, after seeing the pictures, I already knew which ones they'd choose, yeah. and which was, you know, a, a thing, in a, in a way. But also, I noticed that each of the people were given some coaching on how to do it, and they'd been through various processes. And so when they did their final pitch, the people who were on the panel was, were commenting on the fact that, one, their, uh, their reels, their show reels were tighter and mm-hmm. their uh, presentation was tighter as well. And it, they'd yeah. developed over time. Yeah, we had a full-day workshop with uh, Bridget O'Shea from um, Doc Leipzig. Um, and it was just terrific. I mean, we saw each of the, the groups, there was about 20 different groups pitching their films. We all gave each other very, really honest uh, and respectful feedback about the pitch, about the teaser trailer, about what could probably, you know, tighten up or what could change. So it was, it was a really uh, friendly environment, but one that, that made, I think, almost every pitch that I saw better for it and stronger for it. So I, I was, you know, as a, as a pretty green filmmaker... Um, I was certainly stoked to be in that room with you know these really experienced sort of seasoned veterans in, in the in the industry giving giving incredible advice. I think it's amazing too, uh, uh, and also the one of the things about uh, the whole industry is that yes, it's competitive because there's only a small pie, but the thing is that wanting to 
do something like this is a very important uh, uh, self-expression, and but it's also a collaborative experience. Yeah, it, it totally is. I, I mean, uh, you know, you start out perhaps making your first couple of short documentaries uh, on your own in, in your little silo and, uh, you know, you, you buy the cheapest camera or borrow your mate's camera and, and you know, you, you try to work out how to use editing software and all that stuff. And then, you know, the more and more you realise, actually, I've got to open this thing up, not only to creative contribution from, you know, producers, from creative producers, from animators, editors, who know a shitload more than I do, um, you know, I think it just makes your film so stronger, so much stronger, and then also opening it up to industry, um, which is, on one hand, extremely intimidating, um, but also it will only make your film better and stronger. And certainly that's been my experience through, you know, putting this film um, through the AIDC machine. Yeah, very interesting. I should ask you, are there any strings attached to this money? Uh, I mean, look, you know, there's always a contract involved, but um, to be honest, there's probably a lot less, uh, fewer strings involved than, say, with our taxpayer uh, screen um, agencies, which I fully understand why there needs to be, um, you know, oversight to that money. Um, but there's a lot, yeah, there are there are fewer strings. I think I think the I think the trust we have to give back to filmmaking teams that really want to. You know, all we want to do is be able to make the film that we say we're going to make. Um, so the fewer strings, the better. And certainly with Documentary Australia Foundation, you know, those strings are almost threads, which, um, which you know, suit us a lot better than just to be able to get on with the work. Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, you do hear horror. Oh, the other thing is that this is a feature. So is this 100 minutes long or what? what how long is it? Yeah, look, a feature can range anywhere sort of between that 75 minutes to, you know, <laughs> um, uh, as much time as you want, really. But it, well, yeah. it, it, it fit around the, uh, the 90 uh, to 100-minute mark. But having said that, uh, we're in an era where, you know, you absolutely want to consider um, different versions for different platforms. Um, you know, if there's some really wonderful online journalistic platforms that are emerging for documentary where you might cut a 20-minute version or a 15-minute version or, or, or even even a bit longer than that, you know, a 30-minute version. Uh, so, and then obviously for TV broadcast, if, if you do sort of uh, sign up with SBS or ABC, they might be interested in a, in a TV hour. Uh, so you just uh, have to stay really flexible to the reversioning options. But certainly the end game for us is to have a theatrical and film festival version which, which would run 90 or, you know, 90 minutes or thereabouts. Oh, it's very exciting. How long? I mean, it's going to take you ages, isn't it? How long is it going to take you? Yeah, look, my gut feeling, because in, 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 a, in a real observational doco, we want to make sure that uh, story elements continue to unfold, that, it's a, that these young people are on a journey, and that can only happen with the passing of time. So I reckon we're at least uh, a year or two away. Yep. Um, but having said that, you know, if we do go down the path of a partnership with a, a, an online journalistic platform in the first instance, that may we may be able to turn that around within you know six to twelve months, which would just be a point on the on the longer uh, in the longer game. You know. And also, the people that are involved in doing it with you, the young people, uh, that must be a whole other world. Getting them to agree well, and well, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, and, and I think if you, you know, we come from, I don't come from a filmmaking background, you know, my, my background's always been in education and, um, and so our absolute priority is to make sure this is something that serves and benefits um, the people involved in the film, you know, um, and certainly with, with vulnerable participants, um, you know, risk management and, and uh, you know, duty of care is, is front and centre of everything we do. So, and, and what we call it at the moment is, um, you know, uh, sort of rolling or continued consent or informed consent, and that, that's really got to be ongoing where... Uh, oh, yes, young... so if they change their mind. Yeah, and that's okay, and, and knowing that, uh, you know, it's all about being transparent and having conversations, Although for some other participants in another film, you might not give any embargo, uh, pardon me, uh, veto powers in the edit to to one of the participants. But in these kind of uh, situations, you know, we'd be looking at sitting down with, with these young people at different stages and, and just talking through, um, you know, what's going to be on screen? What what are they uncomfortable with? How do they see this affecting the future for, the, for, you know, better or for worse? And, and to really discuss all the options transparently. How can people... And also, oh, at the heart of it, we have to really uh, address what is it that they want to get out of not only the film, but the whole process. Where do they want to be by the end of it and at the halfway point in five years from now? So I think we have to address all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, how can people contribute if they want to put some well, money in? The, yeah, they can go onto the Documentary Australia Foundation website. I don't have the exact... You oh, it's really long. Document. I wrote it down, but it's too long. So it's too long. It's so called. Maybe we could share it. The, it's it's st- staging dot documentary australia dot com dot au forward slash project forward slash life after juvie working. <laughs> See, it's too long. Yeah. So I think I think what uh, what the best way to do is if, if, even if someone wants to email me directly, I can I can connect them. Is that okay if I give? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Yeah, it's just Shabi Ibrahim. That's C-H-A-R-B-Y-I-B-R-A-H-I-M at gmail.com and I can direct them there. Otherwise, yeah, just Documentary Australia Foundation, uh, Life After, after Juvie. Juvie. Can, I, I just yeah, put in, you, Life After Juvie will get you there. Yeah, that'll get you there, but i um, happy to have any further chats and send people teaser trailers and, you know, the philanthropy is, a very big part of the way we, we fundraise for social impact film. So, um, you know, we're very open to partnering and having those discussions. Thanks for talking to us today, Shabi. Oh, it's just good to catch up with you, Annie. Yeah, yeah. I was so chuffed to see you and for you to <laughs> succeed. Fantastic. Uh, thanks so much. And thanks to 3CR for uh, letting me host the Thursday breakfast show all those years ago. <laughs> I think we were the lucky ones. Okay. Thanks, mate. <laughs> thanks, Annie. Bye.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to www.3cr.org.au.